Hey everyone, you're listening to The Hero Dose, and this podcast is about removing the divider that separates the personal and the professional. It's about the journey inward that reflects the journey outward. It's about seeing your career as another vehicle for your self-development. Together, we get the chance to learn from fascinating entrepreneurs, creatives, and thinkers about how they've integrated deep moments of personal growth to help them succeed professionally. Listen to new episodes as they come as we expand on everything from relationships, trauma, mindset, plant medicine, therapy, and spiritual growth as it relates to professional development. This is the Hero Dose. Let's go. All right. Today, I sit down with my first guest, a dear friend, a brother, a man who embodies what it means to be a warrior and a good king. He's a true connector. Someone who gets energy from bringing his friends together and seeing them thrive and grow in new ways. Someone who listens attentively more than most people I know. Perhaps because of this, when he speaks, his words are always thoughtful. Like me, he once had to navigate a shift of identity when career in athletics ended. And since he's built a killer career in recruiting, helping international brands, find the right key hires, often in executive positions. And like myself, he's also a Jay Shetty certified coach. I've had the pleasure of being coached by him in the past, and recently the shoe has been on the other foot, where it was my honor to guide him through the preparation for and integration of his first ayahuasca ceremony. This is Sergi Dojkovic. Sergi, welcome, brother. Thank you, brother. What an intro, man. Getting emotional. (laughs) Man, I'm so excited for this. (laughs) Man, um, there's a lot to dig into here. And, you know, uh, there's a lot of men and women out there who are treading the same path that we tread. And that Mm -hmm. at one point, the only goal was to be a professional athlete. Being an athlete was the core of their identity. Or maybe it wasn't that. Maybe it was to be a doctor or something. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, but not everyone makes it mm-hmm. or maybe, you know, they, they make it halfway. And things need to change. Um, and they realize, you know, it's, it's not for them and they have to reinvent themselves. Mm-hmm. Sergi, where, where is the old you now? That old athlete is he still in there. Wow. That's a powerful question. Um, I would say obviously that old that old Sergi, that old athlete is then still within me. Um and I feel like it's a good thing, right? Because um back then when I was, you know, striving for greatness, trying to achieve that professional career, um, it was definitely my identity. Um but after my career and after everything I've accomplished, it was a pretty rough time to actually find a new identity. Um, Because as you can imagine, I mean, you went through it yourself. Um, All of a sudden, you're done with everything. And you have that identity you're carrying with you. And you're trying to match that energy on the outside. And pretty much, at least in my case, my experience was I definitely hit a wall. And I was like, damn, like... My, everything I've done in my life seems to be nothing worth anymore. Um, 
And to navigate through that, um, I had to learn how to get, quote-unquote, rid of my old self, um, but not necessarily just throw it in the trash can, um, but to maybe, how would I say, to maybe cherish what I have done so far in my life and who I've become, and to channel that energy um, towards, okay, where's my new identity? Mm. And how do I marry those two surges mm. together? Um, so to answer your question, it's definitely within me. Right now it's in a good place. It used mm. to be in a not, not so good place, for sure. It was a new surgery. Still in progress. <laughs> Still in progress. I mean, um, it, it's a hard, it was a hard journey, definitely. And I feel like I've not arrived at the final surgery that I want to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've made some serious and good progress towards expanding my, my being. Um, and I think this is what life is really about. And Maybe this is also something that would have helped me throughout my athletic career. Mm. Um, Because I noticed, you know, for the past three, four years, um, expanding my my thoughts, expanding my being, Mm -hmm. whether it was towards spirituality or just intellectually, um, definitely helped me, you know, be more settled with me. What do I mean by that? Mm. Um, Prior, when I was an athlete, and, you know, that was truly my identity, I was very shaky as a human being. So, you know, the moment I had a bad time when I was an athlete, whether it was a bad season or a bad match, whatever it was, I was very insecure. Um, I didn't have anything to lean on. Um, Obviously, I had a huge friend group and family and stuff. But, you know, at the end of the day, you have that battle within you, inside Mm. of you. And there I had nowhere to lean to, nowhere to go to. Mm. And today, um, I actually have so many different areas of my personality that I can rely on. Mm. Um, Kind of like, shall we say, the the philosophy of of investing. You know, how people would say, never invest all your money Mm. into one thing whether it's mm. stocks or ETFs whatever but try to diversify it mm. and that approach really helped me in my personal development mm. because um, understanding that I am more than just just an athlete which mm. sounds super cheesy right now but mm. it is true um, actually showed me that there's other paths in life mm. and that life is way more than just that one thing mm. And that I can find happiness and peace Mm. in many different things. And so I am definitely way beyond that point that I used to be. Um, But once again, I also realized that it is a journey. And I feel like I will never reach my end goal. It will always Mm. be a vision that I'm aiming for. And I am also at peace with that. um, Because Mm. I think it will always allow me to grow as a human being. It's interesting because I feel like, <clears throat> you know, when you're growing up playing sports and your your goal, if you have any potential and your goal or your goal is to make mm-hmm. it professional, let's say, mm-hmm. and you're trying to 
and it could not maybe not even with sports like whatever you're trying to do to try to reach mastery mm-hmm. if you want to be a doctor you have to yeah. study so much if you want to be an athlete you know the rhetoric with your parents mm-hmm. at least it was with my parents um and anyone in that world mm-hmm. for me was ice hockey mm-hmm. it was like if you're not spending your time practicing or training yeah. what are you doing mm-hmm. like everything needs to go into it it's very single-minded mm-hmm. yeah and what i'm hearing from you is that even in that period of time, even when you're trying to build mastery in something, mm-hmm. you need to be well-rounded in your approach to life. And that investing in your emotional growth, mm-hmm. spiritual growth, your mental well-being, maybe just even your creative outlets, mm-hmm. will actually help you reach mastery in the thing that you want. Yeah. Most definitely, brother. And I mean... Here's the thing. I mean, I also want to say it's very individual, right? Um, if you look um, at extreme examples like Michael Jordan or Kobe mm-hmm. Bryant, I mean, obviously I've never known them, but from what people are saying, they seemed very addicted to that one thing, which was mm-hmm. basketball, and obviously it brought them to the heights of their career. Mm-hmm. Um, but in my case, now looking back at the career, I typically had my best faces in 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 my football career when I was kind of very balanced mm-hmm. and when I had the impression that I am that football quote unquote is not as important to me mm-hmm. um that was back then something I would do subconsciously to purposely kind of create that needed space between me and football Mm-hmm. Um, to revisit football with the right energy, to revisit it with the right mm-hmm. intention and purpose. Because sometimes, at least in my experience, sometimes I would get lost when I'm too focused. I wouldn't be looking left and right. I wouldn't acknowledge different things that would maybe help me as well. Um, and yeah, definitely. I mean, for me, the key was to create always a healthy space between my career and um yeah my being and who knows i mean maybe if i were as obsessed as a kobe bryant i would have turned pro in football but at the end of the day there's also that balance that you're trying to find of okay what is actually meant for me in life Mm. Uh, what's god or the universe what do they have in store for me? And um, is it really the key to force things in life? Um, because at least that was my mindset back then. I always told myself, um, you know, if I force something that is maybe not meant to be, which I don't know, uh, what are the costs of it? Mm. How far can I push it? Mm. Um, is me being obsessed with my sport going to bring me to places for sure but what are the costs is the relationship to my family going to suffer is my relationship to my friends going to suffer Mm -hmm. to my loved one my partner those are all questions that went through my mind and um, I guess going back to your very first question I am at peace the way I have done it and I can look back to old Sergi and be proud of him and but I can also admit that there was room to do more. Mm. It was just the way life led me. Mm. And I had not intentionally, 
But, you know, subconsciously, I had some sort of faith in life and the way it would, would mm-hmm. take me. If you had one piece of advice to give someone whose athletic career is ending, you know, or maybe the writing was on the wall, mm-hmm. maybe at best they can make like semi-pro, yeah. but it's not the career they hope for. Or like really anyone who is looking to make a transition, maybe they've invested a lot of time into a certain path, career mm-hmm. path, and they know they need to change and it's time to build a new identity. That's a scary mountain to climb. Mm-hmm. If you had one piece of advice, what would it be? It's simple. It's just acceptance. Um, why do I say acceptance? Because I had a hard time accepting that my career was over. And I was trying to replicate the feeling I had throughout my career in the corporate world. And I failed miserably. Um, I had five, six jobs within two years. I was always bouncing from one job to another. Um, And always trying to seek that feeling that football has given me in my life, which was, I was very talented. I was good. It was my refuge. You know, when I was feeling sad or mad, I would go on the pitch and I would do my thing and I would be better than everybody else. You know, I had that competition inside of me. And um, that I was looking for in the corporate world, and I was missing the acceptance. I was missing that sweet spot of, okay, I'm accepting that this is over now. And I'm accepting that the world out there is different than the athletic world. It is different. It is different pace. You're meeting with different people. You are dealing with different problems and it is nothing that you can just take with you and implement into a corporate world. I'm certain of that. What you can take with you is definitely the mindset. You know, you were a team player, you are competitive, you have that drive, that for sure. But in terms of like mindset, in terms of, okay, finding that new identity not getting rid of your old one, but just trying to find a new one and trying to find a way to basically get them both, you know, to work together. Mm. I think acceptance is like the key for it. And that was, that would definitely be that one advice I would give to anybody. That's beautiful. Um, I see an interesting parallel here where, you know, you had this transition you went through this journey of Mm -hmm. acceptance Mm -hmm. and finding a new fit in a new world, Mm -hmm. new job, a career path. Mm -hmm. Now you've excelled in it and your, 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 your career path that you are now in recruiting is actually Mm -hmm. in helping people to change from one, one position to the next, maybe one line of career to maybe within the same career or field, but, um, from making a transition mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and in a way you've really delved deep mm-hmm. into this transition making um, skill let's say yeah and so you've seen a lot of people you know you've helped people land high profile jobs yeah. c-suite executive level jobs big corporations mm-hmm. you've seen people get rejected from those jobs mm-hmm. I imagine more times even than they've landed them. Mm -hmm. What makes someone 
ready for that transition? What makes them a good fit to be a leader, to be an executive, to make that transition to a, a higher role than they used to have? Well, first of all, thank you so much for pointing that out with the transition. I've never really thought about it that way. So mm. it makes sense. And it's funny how that turned out. Um, but yeah, indeed, I mean, um, changing jobs or I guess just progressing into the next phase of your career is um, definitely a big step, which is not to be underestimated for sure. Um, but what it really takes, I mean, I want to kind of dissect this question into two parts. Like one is, okay, how, what brings you to that point that you actually want to move on, that you have that initial feeling of, okay, maybe I am ready for the next step or maybe I need to change my situation and my circumstance. Oftentimes, it, there's two things to it. Oftentimes, it's either one that people are not feeling appreciated um, and that they feel like, okay, here's not my place anymore. And over time, it never happens overnight. But over a certain period of time, they just basically lose hope and faith and they don't see a clear career path. So that is one. The second one is if that career path is given, that they just feel like, okay, based on what I've done so far and according to my career path, I am ready for the next step. It doesn't have to be with the same company. It can also be with a different company. Um, but those are the two things I feel like that bring people to like that point where they're like, okay, I want to progress to the next phase of my career or I want to switch jobs and go to like a different company. Mm -hmm. um, what it actually takes in that scenario is attention. Um, how thoughtful are you of your daily doing? Um, the people I talk to, they typically are very aware of their three to five year career plan that they've created. Um, they're very aware of what's good and what's bad for them in specific moments of their career. And um, so that is one, the attention, the thoughtfulness. Um, but also not everybody is made to go to the next step in the career. So what do I mean by that? It takes a lot of years in your career to build up that, uh, I guess, report towards other people, mm. um, to be seen as a big fish in the pond, um, that for sure. And how you get that, it's sheer through, you know, experience. Mm. Um, nobody, I mean, oftentimes I have also candidates that talk to me openly about wanting to do the next step, trying to move to a different company. And typically I challenge them and I'm like, hey, you know, in simple words, are you sure that this is now the right time to do so? Um, because oftentimes they lack, I don't, so, don't want to say they lack, but they just get caught up in their ego. Mm -hmm. um, they, they compare each other mm -hmm. to other peers mm -hmm. and they feel like they should, they are deserving of, of that same step, mm -hmm. of that same opportunity. So oftentimes it's really just, I guess, an ego thing, which goes back to, again, attention and being humble. 
um, knowing when the right time is to make such a step. Because at the end of the day, and I feel like especially in today's market, it's not so much about the skill set. Yeah, it is in, in some ways, but it's not the most important thing. Mm. The most important thing is to the timing. Mm. Okay, when is the right step? Because oftentimes in the corporate world, you can burn yourself. You feel like you are deserving of that next step. You go and chase that next step. I, as a headhunter, I help them. They go to maybe from like a big corporate to like a smaller corporate. But then all of a sudden they're overwhelmed. They're like, well, this is not how I envisioned it to be. This is nothing I expected it to be. And so that could be pretty hard. Um, yeah. The, the people that stand out, mm -hmm. the ones that you, you see really succeed. Mm -hmm. You know, out of all the candidates, out of even the ones that get hired. Yeah. The ones that you really see really excel. Mm-hmm. In, in the roles. We were having a conversation the other night yeah. about someone specifically. Mm -hmm. What stands out about them? Like what, what sets them apart from everyone else that you're seeing? Mm. Being human. Um, some of the candidates I'm speaking with, and as you mentioned just the other day, I had a life transforming conversation. Um, you know, a career like nobody has ever seen. I feel like um been, you know, working for the biggest corporates out there in the world. Um, and what really stood out to me was how humble that person was. Um, humble in terms of he was respecting other people. He was very attentive. Uh, it wasn't about him at all. It was always about other people. And I feel like this is something that I mentioned earlier, where it's not just simply about the skill. It's not just, if we're talking a CFO, it's not just about the finance skill. But the, the higher you want to get, the more you have to put people in your focus. The more you have to understand, okay, and it might sound bad right now, but how do I play that chess game? And I'm not saying being kind and stuff like that should be out of an intent of like, oh, I'm trying to play people. No, not at all. Mm. What I'm trying to say is you really have to have a genuine heart to make it long-lasting. Mm. Surely you can have a quick success and just move up the ladder and just all mm. of a sudden be a CFO. But how long do you stay there? The mm. hard part is to stay in a position like that. Mm. The easy part is to get there. What does that look like, genuine heart? Humility, what is it like? What's an example of, of how this person showed up for you in that way? So there's actually two things that stood out to me. So one, I was expecting that person at uh, the front desk of our office building. Mm. And, and just, just so like this, this was like a CFO position. You exactly. Were, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So that was a CFO. Um, He's been in the space for 25 years. Mm. Again, was um, the CFO of big corporates all over the world. And so, yeah, he. I was waiting for him in, in the, at the front desk. So he came, he parked his car, came upstairs. And so, you know, we shook hands. And the first thing he actually did was, I was about to head out. And the first thing he did, he was like, Mr. Dukovic, one second. 
uh, where's actually the lady that opened up the door for me? You know, when he drove into the garage with his car. And I just told him, I was like, this, the lady is sitting right over there. And um, so he walked up to her. She was on the phone speaking. And he was waiting patiently. And after maybe a minute, she hung up the phone and she was like, hey, what can I do for you? And he was like, yeah, I just wanted to say thank you for opening up the door. I hope you're doing well today. And it was so mind-blowing to see somebody of his career standing there. And he would have any right to behave the way he wants, if we put it in those terms, right? I mean, if anybody than him, he's had the career everybody dreams of. He, he He's seen everything. But no, he decides to be the most humble person I've ever met. Um, he was the complete opposite of what you would expect somebody to be in that position. And that already blew my mind. So we went to dinner. Uh, we ordered food. Um, I mean, it's even the person that was working there at the restaurant, the waitress, he was, he just immediately connected with her. He was super kind. Um, maybe sometimes it seemed like because it was so special, sometimes it was a bit awkward how kind he was. Like, it was weird to see. But it was so beautiful at the same time. And um, when we ordered food and we ate and he finished up his food earlier than than I did. And um, then the waitress came and she was like, hey, can I pick up your plate? He was like, no, I'm good. Um, just leave it here. And the plate was empty. So I asked him, I was like, hey, you still hungry? You want some pizza for me? And he's like, no, no, I just, um, you know, didn't want her to take the plate because it would look stupid if we're sitting here in our suits and you're eating and I'm, I don't have anything. It will make you look bad or feel bad. Um, and in that very moment, I didn't know what he was talking about. But then when I walked home, I was like, wow, that was such a powerful and genuine move. Nobody has ever done that. And it made just so much sense because mm -hmm. he was very attentive, very thoughtful. All the words mm -hmm. I had mentioned in the beginning, he was putting me first, not him. Mm -hmm. And that was just beautiful to see. Honestly, the most impactful dinner I've ever had in my life. And that to me in one person was the difference between somebody, a leader, a true leader, somebody who's progressing in his career in a very long-term way mm. versus, if I may say that asshole CFO is just trying to climb the ladder real quick and is using other people for its own success. Um, that was truly the difference. Man, thank you for sharing that story. That like I found it so impactful when you you told me that night, and yeah. again here now. Um, and in a way, like the the skills used, the the intentionality, mm. listening, that I feel like sounds like you know went into this person's goes into this person's life. Yeah. It's a good transition to like the next topic I want to bring up with you, mm -hmm. which is. Life coaching. Yeah. We're both trained mm -hmm. uh, from the same school, had experience coaching each other, actually. Yeah. 
And there's so much we can dig into here. Mm. You know, I'm, I'm, but first I want to ask, like, what is your general opinion of life coaching, right? It's an industry that appears to be on the rise. Mm-hmm. With that comes a lot of opportunity. But, yep. you know, I also not everyone is convinced. You know, I have friends that even look down on people trying to be a life coach. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like, why is that? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I guess generally, first of all, in that industry, yeah, I share your opinion. It seems to be on the rise. Unfortunately, we always have to fight those people who are using that movement uh, for their own good, not being very genuine, trying to make the quick buck and really effing people over. Um, so that I feel like will stick with us and will stay within the industry for, mm-hmm. I don't know, the next couple of years for sure. Um, but my opinion the way I think about life coaching is it's a it's a necessary skill to have or a necessary option to have that you can always fall back on. Um, why do I say that? Because I do believe, especially in times like today, um, where mental health is super important. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I guess depression is on the rise. Um, we are in a weird situation in life, you know, digital age. We're, you know, having actually that new generation coming up that is completely different than ours or like older mm-hmm. generations. And we are, as humanity, we are adjusting. Uh, we are not catching up in the right pace. Everything is going super fast. And I feel like there is no harm in therapy or coaching. Uh, therapy is obviously one step ahead. Um, it, it's, I guess, quote unquote, more serious um, because it's like from a clinical background. But like life coaching, I see it as a sparring partner mm. that you can always have by your side trying to achieve certain things. Mm. Not in a way of a mentor um, because I don't know more than you do, mm-hmm. but I'm trying to help you and guide you that you find your own greatness within you. Mm. And that, to me, I I simply don't understand how that could be seen as something negative or scammy. Mm. Because I feel like getting to know people, trying to help them, um, actually being there by by their side to to fulfill their dreams or objectives Mm. and goals, I think it's a wonderful thing. And also what life coaching has taught me is it is a skill for life. Through that coaching, through that certification process, I realized how important coaching actually is for my job. Mm. Um, You know, in recruiting, it's part of sales, asking the right questions, making it about that other person, Mm. not trying to be selfish, trying also to have a good feeling of timing. When is the right time to ask a specific question? How do I word that question? Those are all skills that I'm sure you'll agree that we learned throughout that certification process that just helped me in a day-to-day. Or even mm-hmm. when I'm talking to my fiance, when, when we're about 
to have a discussion. Um, way back when I didn't have that skill of coaching, I would react from a very emotional perspective. Um, I would maybe say things I didn't mean. Uh, I wouldn't really think. I would act from that so-called monkey mind. Mm. Um, but today I am much more thoughtful of how I communicate. How do I ask certain questions um, if I feel like, okay, the energy with my fiance, for example, is a bit off mm. and it could turn into a fight now. Um, and those are all skills where I'm so grateful and I realize it more and more how I can use it in every single life situation mm. that I simply didn't have back then. Um, mm. Again, it was all about my emotions. People would always tell me I have a bad temper and I was always, I would always excuse that as, oh yeah, that, that's just me. That, mm. you know, my temper is something good and, you know, I care about things and this is how I show that I care. And yet I still have that temper inside of me, but generally speaking, I'm way more calm and I'm super grateful that I had the experience of coaching mm. and being able to coach people, um, because yeah. Overall speaking, I think it's something that helps people, especially in today's time. Mm. So you say it's more about being a guide than being an expert in someone's life or in a specific area? Most definitely. I mean... And in a way that skill has given, allowed you to be a guide for your own life in some ways? That's a very, very good way to put it. And yes, I would agree. I mean, obviously, like to the outside, you should be an expert in your field. Mm -hmm. um, that for sure, I would sign off on that. Um, because at the end of the day, you should be an expert mm -hmm. in being a guide. Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I do agree. Coaching people, it should be a guide. It should be a sparing partner. That's it should put it. Yeah, it's... Yeah. It's, it should not be about, hey, I'm the greatest and, you know, I'm, I'm going to show you how mm. you get out of your misery. That's yeah. not what it's about. Yeah. It's about, mm. and I guess the way I just described it mm. goes back to that short term versus long term once again. Mm. Um, yeah, I could be telling somebody, hey, you know, if you're an athlete and you're trying to become a professional, I can show you how to find your new self. But my experience is different than that person's experience. I don't know anything about that person's mm -hmm. life. Yeah, I could find out how do I do that by intentionally asking about that mm -hmm. experience or their life. But as I'm asking that, the person will notice themselves. How was my journey? What do I need to do next? And this is what this is about. Yeah. I'm no mentor. A mentor is somebody that, let's stick with the finance example, a CFO, you know, putting you under his wing and showing you how it's done. Mm -hmm. That's different. We all, we as coaches, we're also not therapists. Mm -hmm. We don't have a clinical background. But we, what we can do, and this is oftentimes I feel like what people are missing these days, we're also no friends to them. We're no family member, mm -hmm. but we might be that one person 
that they truly need that they don't know personally mm-hmm. that they can open up to without mm-hmm. any judgment mm-hmm. offering the safe space mm-hmm. um, so yeah I think it's all about guiding the people and not trying to shine through what you think you know about them because that I feel like is the wrong path yeah thank you for sharing that I resonate with it your path of self-development eventually led you to the world of plant medicine yeah and psychedelics in the form of ayahuasca yep and uh, I'm really excited to to hear your experience on this because really this is what in a way mm. this podcast is about sort of exploring the bridge and you live in both worlds the yeah. corporate world very much yeah and yet you've developed this spiritual self-development path yeah and have allowed yourself to explore that curiosity mm-hmm. and really be intensely brave with yourself to go to those deep dark places that within yourself that yeah. that uh, ayahuasca can show you mm-hmm. um but i know a lot of people were afraid of ayahuasca and i remember you were too uh, in, in the beginning of your path or at least yeah. afraid of potentially what it could deliver mm-hmm. um so in your words, like what, what is ayahuasca and what do you think makes people afraid of it? Mm-hmm. Ayahuasca to me is mother nature. It's a higher mind talking to you. Mm-hmm. It's nature connecting with you. Um, it's something that I've always dreamed of especially like being a religious person. But I was always missing that sort of channel of, okay, how do I connect to that higher mind? And ayahuasca actually gave me that opportunity. So that to me is ayahuasca. Why I was afraid of it is definitely the untapped, the unknown okay what is going to happen how how is this going to unfold what is ayahuasca going to show me Uh, and i think with that being said what really helped me was you know being coached by you um because it gave me that sense of surrendering because um i used to be that type of person i would love to control things and control my path of okay where Am, am I going next in my career or how does my environment look like? And I feel like once people like that lose control over something, that's when fear kicks in. Mm. And what also, I guess, gave me some, some anxiety was everybody's path is different. Everybody's experience is different. So mm. I didn't know how ayahuasca is going to play out for me. I didn't know if I'm going to like have the worst experience of my life or will I have like the best experience of my life. And once again, I, that was kind of pushing out of my comfort zone. Um, you know, I was in that comfort world that in that comfortable world that I built around myself and 
yeah, to take that step outside into the darkness is heavy. It's heavy. But I can say that it was indeed the best experience of my life. And um, I'm very, very grateful for that. Mm -hmm. Do you think people should be afraid of it then? Is it? I think generally speaking, I, th I think fear is nothing bad. It's just mm -hmm. really just a survival mechanism that we have as human beings. And um, I mean, if we go back thousands of years, it was a good thing, right? Because it would keep us alive. Mm. Um, we would sense something is off. Mm -hmm. um, but in today's world, I think it's also no... There's nothing to it to get rid of fear. I mm. think fear should be there. And it's just a way of how you deal with your fear. Mm. Um, and in my case, I use the fear to actually get myself familiar with ayahuasca. Mm. And I think for that reason, it's very important. So I think people should have some sort of maybe healthy respect is the better word. Mm. They shouldn't just go blindly into ayahuasca, mm. into like a ceremony and just wing it. Mm. Um, they should use that respect or fear to actually get prepared for it the right mm -hmm. way. Because yeah, it is powerful. And yeah, it, I don't want to say it could go it could go the wrong way, but it requires some sort of preparation mm. for sure. And um, I think fear opens up that door for you to actually get familiar with the mm. entire topic of ayahuasca. Mm. Best experience of your life. Definitely. Yeah. In what way? Um, in so many ways, I actually failed to to tap into each way, but I think what was most profound for me was I finally tapped into a higher consciousness that I've always dreamed of in my life, but I never had that experience. Um, mm -hmm. Again, I touched base on me being religious, you know, growing up, I always believed in God and I always, uh, I, I used to hear all the stories from people like how they had a, I guess like a meeting quote unquote with God <laughs> and they met him or they saw something that happened to them. Yeah. And I, I would always ask myself, okay, when is it going to be for me? Like, mm -hmm. when what do I need to do to get that yeah and I always felt like I'm missing those last 10% to actually mm -hmm. tap into this world and you know ayahuasca would without going into any detail really um but ayahuasca showed me what love is and I felt something that simply felt like it was out of this world mm. and um that was something that is also not very it's hard to explain. It's hard mm. to put in words. It was definitely one for the books and one for, okay, that, mm. that experience was something that you have to feel. Mm. It's undescribable. It's, it's hard to put in words. And that to me, what I felt right there changed basically for me, how I see life, how I see relationships, how I see me as a human being. 
I also want to say after you know my my football career and after that you know time that I had and everything I've accomplished, which was always driven by fear, mm. uh, and, and it seemed very fragile. I can say that now, looking back, I, for the first time in my life, really, I respect me as a human being and I love myself. Because before that, I was always defined by football, defined by success, defined by, oh, what is my dad thinking of me? Like mm -hmm. When I score three goals and he tells me, oh, yeah, you're garbage, you should have scored five. That was driving me. And I'm very grateful for that experience. Truly, I am. Even though it sounds very hard. But um, now I'm at a place in my life where I can say, I, I think I'm cool, man. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, fuck yeah, yeah. I realized, I realized that I, I'm a cool person. So, yeah. and that to me was just awesome. Yeah. Fuck, that's beautiful. <laughs> but tell me about that. Like, if you don't mind, like mm -hmm. what, how did that realization mm. happen in the ceremony? Like, mm. how, what was that? It was this out of this world experience that I had. Um, I had a connection with Earth. I saw with my own eyes that everything is one. Um, I, I literally saw the connections. Like, literally, when I remember it clearly, like, I was on the ground and I saw how all the trees, all the humans, it looked like brain cells. And everything was lighting up in different colors. And it, I literally felt like I'm feeling the tree. Feeling earth, yeah. it was out of this world, and that to me was very crucial because it showed me that we're all in the same boat. Mm -hmm. I can feel your energy, I can feel your love. Mm -hmm. That thing called intuition is real. Mm -hmm. Like, I if I feel somebody's pain, mm -hmm. it's real, it's not just a guess. Mm -hmm. Um, but what really I guess that realization that I had was the night before my second ceremony. I um, had a very interesting chat. To be fair, it was it was <laughs> anything. It was different than I expected because I thought, okay, I'm going to be talking to that person right now, and I'm going to have that mind blowing deep conversation. And it was literally just a 10 second conversation, <laughs> and I was like, all right, whatever. But I asked. Um, you know, the shaman, like, hey, you know, my life was always built upon fear. How do I change that? Like, what's the answer? And he was like, love. And he bounced. And like, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it was a disappointment because, like I said, you know, as you can maybe tell, I love to talk. And I was like, okay, you know what? We're just going to be sitting down, drinking our tea, yeah, yeah. watching the sunset. And he's going to, like, blow my mind. It's like, love, duh, yeah. bye. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> But I'll, I took it with me. I'm like, okay, if he says that, and he said it with such a precision, mm. the tone of voice was yeah. just on point. 
And sure enough, mm. the second ceremony we had, I felt love that is just, from my experience and from my perspective, it was God. Like that love, I've never even felt in my life before. And I don't mean it in a bad way. Like, obviously, the love that I feel for my mother, for my friends, for my dad, for my brother, for everybody that is important to me is out of this world. Mm. I literally carry that in my heart and I want to show it to people as much as I can. But that was different. And when then the shaman the next day said, hey, that was a reflection of your inside. I'm like, okay, so what are we talking here? Like, it's obvious. Like, it is obvious. Mm. Like, if I carry that inside of me, and it was so powerful, I was like, you got to love yourself. Mm. Because, and I guess that thought that I'm going to share right now is that one thought that brought me to this realization. We come to this world... Yeah, obviously through our mother, but we come by ourselves. Mm. That act of giving birth, even though you're, you might be a twin or triplet, whatever, but you as a whole, you come on this earth alone and you die alone Mm. because nobody's dying with you, connected with you. Mm. It's just you. And that to me was like, okay, what happens if the entire world burns down and it's only me that is left? What do I do? And I feel like in today's society, I agree 100% is all about society and we are, you know, social creatures, quote unquote, and we should be connecting and there's all, all, all sorts of like research that, you know, proves that if you're alone and if you really feel lonely, you're going to die early and whatnot. But you also have to learn how to deal with yourself mm-hmm. and how to not run with every single thing that happens in your life, run to somebody else and try to find a savior in somebody else. And when I realized, okay, I have to deal with myself, I might as well love me. <laughs> because if I only have myself mm-hmm. in the darkest moments, why should I not love myself? Why should I push myself away? Mm-hmm. Because then I'm fighting a war that I cannot win. Because if I start fighting myself all the time, and I'm on earth all by myself, the chances of surviving are zero. The chances of surviving with me being on earth and loving myself are probably close to zero as well, but it's at least it's beautiful. <laughs> so... Yeah. And that, that was the thought that really made me realize, okay, you have to love yourself and you are cool and just keep building upon that and everything is going to be fine. That's beautiful, man. What's the integration for that like? Like you have this mind-blowing experience. You have this deep self-realization. Mm-hmm. And now what keeps you remembering seeing, believing that you are cool every day. What is the, what is the, what is it, what's, what's changed now? How do you take that big mm. momentous 
you know, paradigm shifting moment mm -hmm. of life and weave it into the threads of everything after. So that it actually change and not just a big trip. Mm. I actually started looking in the mirror and I'm like, well, well, because before that it was like, and maybe it's because in the society we live in or whatever it is, but you, at least in my case, I felt like I'm living on autopilot. You know, give you a quick example, wake up in the morning, get ready real quick, mm. jump out of the bed, brush teeth, get ready, get out, work eight hours, get back home. If the weather is nice, but only like over 20 degrees, mm -hmm. then I go outside for a run. If not, it's too cold. I'm staying mm -hmm. inside. I'm eating. I'm going to sleep. And I mean, that's what I've been doing also for the past two or three years, mm -hmm. to be honest, especially in that time when I was trying to figure myself out. And um, the integration process was um, kind of, in the very beginning, it was easy because you still have, it's the aftermath of ayahuasca. It's the aftermath of everything you've experienced. And of course it was very powerful and, you know, you're kind of like riding that wave type of thing and you have that motivation, you have that drive. You're like, oh yeah, I have that mm. night routine that I did uh, right before ayahuasca and during ayahuasca and the morning routine. I was like super intentional and you know i didn't have my phone with me and i noticed how well off i am without any social media and stuff like that you know um but then slowly but surely your daily life catches up on you like mm -hmm. especially in a in a job like being a recruiter slash headhunter it's like super stressful you have uh times you know working times that are maybe not the typical nine to five Sometimes, like one time, for example, I was recruiting somebody in Mexico, so I had to take calls at like 10, 11 p.m. Mm -hmm. like, and how do you find a way to be intentional in that scenario and actually pay attention to yourself? So mm -hmm. what really helped me was routines um, to really, in a very um, dynamic world, to create a space for me to be one with my body, to be one with my personality, to reflect. So in the morning, I wake up, I have that space for myself when nobody is annoying me. I'm going on a walk in the woods. I'm trying to connect to the outside. And I'm actually reflecting and just listening to my intuition. Listening to what is my body, what is my mind saying, where I'm at right now. Mm -hmm. Kind of like a status quo analysis, like, mm -hmm. where am I? And then I basically go into the craziness of the world, like anybody else. I mean, to me, it's not realistic to, I guess, be the monk uh, in a corporate world and basically shoot yourself um, into offside, speaking in football terms, because, like, everybody else around you is... They're having their own life mm -hmm. adjusted to the corporate life. And they might they might not understand what you are going through or why you have certain energies that you come up with. 
So you have to be respectful of that as well because it can be overwhelming to people around mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. Um, to give you another example, I got back from, from the ceremony and I was, you know, flying. You know, I was so happy and full of love. And then I open up the door and my fiance, she's pissed because she was having a bad day. Mm-hmm. And I noticed, like, my energy is overwhelming for her. And I could not be just pushing my energy onto other people. Mm. And so I had to calculate that or incorporate that into my integration as well. Mm. So then, you know, when I'm done with my crazy day in the evening, I again purposely, intentionally take time for me. I reflect, I journal, I go on a walk, whatever I feel like I need to do to basically calm down, to meet myself again Mm. to meet uh, with God again whatever it is like I said whatever I feel no strings attached no pressure but to allow me to have those two hours during the day was powerful very very powerful Mm. and it taught me how to be intentional with myself Mm -hmm. how to value my body how to value how cool I am, how to value what am I doing well today mm. or what have, I, what have I done well today and to reflect on that and not just have it on autopilot. Because if I walk down the street and there's a homeless person and I, and I buy that homeless person some sort of bread, I pass mm. it on to them and I hear something to eat and then I just forget about it. Yeah, it was a nice thing that I did but I might not have registered it for my mind it was just something in that moment that I did because I felt out of my emotion Mm. but it was not very maybe intentional not deep Mm -hmm. enough for me to register for my system Mm -hmm. hey what did you do today and to have that feeling to go with that feeling into bed going like going to sleep with that feeling of hey okay you you did something good today. Like you bought something for a homeless person. Why did you do it? You know, to revisit in all that crazy Mm. day that you're going through Mm. to revisit certain actions and to understand why did you do it? The why is very important. Mm. And I feel like that over time just becomes a habit and really becomes one with your system. I feel like that at least was my journey with all of that. Thank you, Sergio. I feel like the takeaway here for me, and I've I've just learned a lot like listening to, to your journey here, I think the takeaway for me and for I guess maybe other people listening is to turn that fear into respect mm-hmm. in preparation mm-hmm. and to do that preparation so that you can come and drink that cup with full confidence in yourself. Exactly. And to make sure you have the space in your life the things in your life to give you those moments to reflect, check in with yourself exactly. afterwards. Exactly. So whatever lessons you take in that experience, you're actually able to come back to mirror. Okay. The things I did today or I'm going to do today, mm-hmm. how, do, how do I need to show up so I can take what I learned into them? Exactly. Or did I take what I learned into them? Absolutely. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah. Thank you, man. Sergi, it's been an, uh, an absolute pleasure. I, I want to leave off on a really random question here. Okay. That uh, comes from a tradition 
that uh, is from my, my my childhood friends back home, where we record a podcast just for ourselves, mm-hmm. um, started by my two two best friends, mm-hmm. um, and the the premise is, you know, you always like to share songs with with your friends, but maybe they won't listen to it the way you listen to it, mm-hmm. and if you just send them the link to the song, you know, they don't get the story behind it as well. So mm-hmm. this is that moment to actually explain what a song means to us. Well, maybe from a certain period of our life, a certain childhood memory, a core memory, maybe just something we heard yesterday. Mm-hmm. And the sonically, it just really hits us. This is a time to explain why it means something to us. Okay. And then play the song and then crank the tunes. That's what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes we laugh, sometimes we cry, mm-hmm. sometimes mm-hmm. we find a new song. And in any case, it always shows something about who we are mm-hmm. or a journey that we've been on. So for the people listening, what's a song you'd love to share with them? A song that speaks to you in a particular way. You'd like others to hear and feel, at least try to hear and feel in that same way, which you did for a moment in your life. And obviously they can go listen to that song after this podcast. Yeah. That's such a great question. I mean, if I may, there's actually two songs that have always mm-hmm. stood out to me. One is Beautiful Day by you 2 mm-hmm. um, That song's been following mm-hmm. me really for all my life. Uh-huh. Just talks, especially in times when I was very down, um, mm-hmm. that energy, that tone of voice that melody Mm. just was able to put me into better vibes um and just also was a very emotional song to me Mm. um because it just talks about how beautiful the day can be um and to me personally it just showed how we always can find the positives Mm -hmm. in whatever is happening in our life and the second one is actually robbie williams angels I think it's Angels or Angel. Um, that was a recent song that came up to me after Ayahuasca. Oh. So I did Ayahuasca end of September. And ever since, I'm pretty sure I'm number one listener of Robbie Williams in, in the entire <laughs> world. Um, but that, to me, just shows... I don't know. When, when I hear that song, I think of my fiance and how beautiful of a relationship we've created and how how beautiful life can be and um, regardless of what's happening in life um, I feel like there's always it's always important to have faith Mm. in whatever way shape or form and to always think forward um, to not get lost in the past um, to have a plan and to have faith and trust that everything is going to work out and those two songs really proved that to me every time I listen to them and just immediately shoot me into the right mindset and the right vibe. So I know it wasn't just one, but two. So better for the listeners. But yeah, those two songs are pretty cool to me. Thank you, man. Those are bright. Those are beautiful. I'm excited to listen to them. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for your time, man. Thank you for having me, brother. It was a pleasure. Yeah, can't wait for the next one, brother. Yeah, man. Much love. Much love. There we go. (laughs) All right.